I want to talk about seeing Jesus and the risks you've got to take to see him. And I want to start in Isaiah and then move on to some words of Jesus in Matthew. And then we're going to examine the story of Zacchaeus, which I have seen. I just love it when you read a story that you know and it like comes alive in a whole new way. And that happened to me a couple of weeks ago, so I want to share it with you because it's fantastic. But we're going to start here. Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Well, of course, it's talking about Jesus, but it's also on you and me now because he's in me and you. To come for all who mourn and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And I want to start here because we are in this phase, season, time, whatever you want to call it, when this is a reality. Uh, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks now, about beauty for ashes, uh, and this is a process that we are on, a process of giving up the mourning and the grief to receive the oil of joy. And what we're seeing, and what I'm aware of, is some people have started it, some people have received a whole new sense of joy for mourning, some people are on the journey, some people are still fighting it a little bit, but that's okay. In the end, you'll give up fighting and just enjoy it. Um, but we're still in this place uh, because, in truth, there's much to grieve and mourn over, but there's also much healing available, of course. And it's important you do that for this reason. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. That's from the Passion Translation, which I'm really enjoying when I can read the tiny writing in the Bible, because I'm getting older. You see, the sun's always shining. Even today, the sun is shining, but it's difficult to pick it out. There's never been a day since the creation of the world when the sun has not shone in the sky, but there are plenty of times when it hasn't been visible. Sometimes, because another object got in the way, and we get a solar eclipse, sometimes the clouds are so heavy we never get to see it. But it's never true to say the sun's not out. The sun's always out. The sun's always shining, it's always very hot, and it's always very warm, and it's always very beautiful. The issue is that if you like the sunshine, sometimes things get in the way. And of course, what Jesus is doing here is he's almost like comparing the light and goodness of him to the sunlight flooding in. And he says, look, the eyes of your spirit allow revelation light in, but only... If your heart is unclouded. Which means that if your heart is clouded, it can block the revelation light of Jesus entering your spirits just like the clouds. Uh, not less so today, but certainly yesterday. It was a little bit grim, wasn't it, yesterday? It was, ugh. But of course, just like the sun's always shining, Jesus is always speaking and sharing life, always present. So one of the first things we've got to do to see Jesus is to deal with your hearts, which is why we're on all the time about our hearts. Because if you don't deal with your heart, you don't get to see him. And revelation light can't flood in if your heart is clouded. That's why we go on about it all the time. So let's just go back to Isaiah and just see what, let me remind you what's available. Comfort, provision, beauty, joy, praise. All available. But there has to be an exchange of the mourning, the grief, the ashes, and the despair. It is a swap. It is an exchange. 
You don't get the comfort, the provision, the beauty, the joy, all the praise, and that's already actually on the inside of you because it's already there. So you don't, you don't need to ask him for it. You just need to make space for it to flow. Just make space for it to flow. That's why we keep on talking about it and keep on speaking about it. Because when, you, when you've experienced that exchange, it is the most beautiful thing. But of course, it's, it's also not a one-off event. I did it just this week. In fact, I do it nearly every week because this exchange is something. When I take time to be with Jesus, whether I'm just sitting with him or whether I'm writing in my journal, what I'm doing in those times is I'm being with him, but I'm also kind of searching my heart and allowing Jesus to search my heart for any mourning or grief or ashes or despair or frustration or upset or whatever it is, because I don't want my heart to be clouded. I want revelation light to flood in. Well, in which case, I have to give him time to find out about it. So even this week, I realized, Faye sends a love, by the way. She's not very well. She's not been well since earlier on this week, and she's getting there slowly. She's got some sort of virus or something. But I realized... Um, that this was the first time she's kind of been incapacitated by illness, like in bed and not able to do very much, since she started taking her injections that made the massive shift in her migraines. And it's probably four or five months now. And I was like, but, but when I saw her and I realized she was in bed, it hit me really hard. I, I, went, I went really low. And I, I was like, what is going on? It's just a virus. What's going on with me? And I'm, so that was Tuesday. Wednesday, I, I went for a walk. I said, Lord, what, what is going on here? And I realized that I'd never fully grieved all the times that we'd lost from the 15 years that she'd been incapacitated by the headaches. So I thought I dealt with it. But it happens once, and suddenly I'm like, okay, so I'm, I, have, I have to give it over then, do I? Those are the ashes. All the times we wanted to do things, all the times we'd got things planned, all the times that didn't... And there were lots of stuff that did, because she was incredible at pushing through. But there were lots of times when life didn't turn out how we wanted it to. And I realized, he still sat there. So that's just in one week. And I know that up to that point, because I sat with him the previous week, and I said, Lord, is there anything? And I felt like he said, no, son, you've dealt with everything you, you need to deal with. I went, okay, that's beautiful. But I tell you, not many of you are like me like that. Because not many of you spend as much time as I do doing it. Or as good as I am. Because I've spent 15 years doing it. So if that's me, it's definitely you. It's definitely you. And of course, this thing about grief, it's not just about... It, grief is about loss. Full stop. It's just about loss. That's it. It's not about loss of to death. It's about loss. Well, you live, as the Bible calls it, east of Eden. We don't live in Eden anymore. We live in a different place, which means you experience loss all the time. All the time. There isn't anybody on the planet who didn't, don't need to do this stuff and get into a regular habit of exchanging it. Can I just say this as well? Some of you are afraid of doing it because you, you're worried about the depth of the pain and how it will feel. But... There's two things. First of all, you're already feeling it. You just don't know it. So it's not going to be any worse than it already is. But second of all, last week in the meeting, I had this incredible time with Jesus throughout basically the whole meeting. And I can tell you that it's not going to be as bad as you think it's going to be. It's not going to be as bad as you think it's going to be because he's already in it. 
So some of you don't want to look at it because you think it's going to be really, really bad. But actually, it's not going to be as bad as it needs to be. Because he's already done something. He's already done something to kind of... He's already poured out some antiseptic on it. So it's not going to feel like you think it's going to feel. But you've got to trust him in it. You've got to trust him in it. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. Okay. But grief and mourning, they're like an ashes. It's like a shroud that covers your heart. It steals the joy away. When the shroud of grief and mourning, life can feel numb, empty, pointless, dreary. That's how I, that's how I knew it was grief, because on Tuesday night, I, I felt empty, dreary. Uh, I had no energy. I, uh, I, I, I wasn't in despair, but I was like, I was just like, Ugh. And it's okay. It's all right to know that place. That's what you've got. No, lots of us fight. You see, we don't like it. We'll go, right, I need to G myself up. I'll put a fast worship song on to make myself feel better. Okay, no. 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 Just, it's okay. Right there in that moment. He's got you. You've got to acknowledge it. Give it to him. Guess what? By Thursday morning, I were in a whole different place. Not because I'd gave myself up, but because I'd actually given it to him. I'd gone on a long walk. I'd shared it with her. I'd done something about it. You see, if, there's, if you feel like there's an issue with revelation right now for you, feel like God's a bit silent, maybe you're not hearing or getting answers, maybe it feels like revelation light's not really getting in, maybe... It's an opportunity to go, well, maybe my heart's shrouded. Maybe my heart's clouded. Maybe you've got to ask him what's clouding your heart so that revelation light can come flooding in. Of course, that, that's what we mean when we talk. That's what discipleship is. Walking with people, understanding the coverings of the heart, the lies, the insecurities, the figures that mean revelation light doesn't flood in because it acts like this shroud over the eyes of your heart. Okay, grief and mourning are one reason why we might not be seeing Jesus clear, but, but there's others, and one of them we can find in the story of Zacchaeus. Now, I'm going to read it to you. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you um, because, and I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. So just, just listen to it and try and listen afresh to this uh, probably well-known story to most of you. In the city of Jericho, there lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus who was the supervisor over all the tax collectors. As Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. He kept trying to get a look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive. Zacchaeus was a very short man and couldn't see over the heads of the people. So he ran on ahead of everyone, climbed up a blossoming fig tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down, for I am appointed to stay at your house today. So he scurried down the tree and came Face to face with Jesus. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained, Look at this. Of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to go eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. 
Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, Half of all that I own I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I've cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. Jesus said to him, Your repentance shows that today life has come to you and your household and that you are a true son of Abraham. Okay. So, we're going to miss out the bit about how wealthy you are and talk about that another time. But for now, let's go here. Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. He kept trying to get a look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive. I love this. He was eager to see him. I wonder how eager we are to see Jesus. He just wanted a glimpse of Jesus for whatever reason. Of course, the truth is you are just the same. Your spirit is eager to see Jesus, eager to meet with him and be with him. There is on the inside of you a deep desire and passion to be with him and to enjoy time with him. Whether you know it or not, there is a deep, powerful, passionate eagerness to be with Jesus. But when I thought about Zacchaeus and him doing all he could to get a glimpse of Jesus, I thought about the risk that he took in not seeing Jesus. He risked a huge amount of disappointment to not see Jesus. First of all, you've got to remember Zacchaeus is a supervisor of tax collectors. Now, Roman tax collectors were not like the nice people who work for HMIC. These this. Okay. Because we love people who work for HMIC because they help make sure we pay for our hospitals and all those sorts of things. And I'm very blessed that we have those people. But just think, in the thronging crowds of the day, do you think anybody was going to help Zacchaeus see Jesus? Nobody was going to help him. Nobody was going to help him. It was hated by the Jewish people. Absolutely hated. Because he's collaborating with the Romans, he's collaborating with the, the occupying force and ripping them off. So he's got no friends in the crowd, he's completely on his own, and I am impressed by the courage and boldness he displays to pursue Jesus. I mean, he runs on ahead. What if Jesus turns left and he turns right? He has no idea where Jesus is going. He's just going, I'm going to do what I can, I'll do my best to go and see Jesus. And of course, then he decides he's going to get up in a tree. Well, Jesus could have just walked right on by. Who says Jesus is going to even look at him? I'm impressed by the risks he takes and the energy he puts in to risk being passed by without being noticed. You see, I think some of the reason we're not always that eager to see Jesus, to spend time with him, to just sit with him, is because we are scared he might pass us by. What if nothing happens? What if he doesn't turn up? What if he doesn't show up? And then, because we're human beings, if that happens, because, you know, we're really good at going worst-case scenario, if that happens, we'll come up with all the reasons why we've done something wrong that meant Jesus, that meant Jesus didn't turn up. I think a lot of us are scared that although we might make the time to be with him, he may not return the favor. But of course, we need to remember that our first task and calling is to be with him. 
There's tons of books written on Genesis 1 and 2 about a theology of work. But actually, Genesis 1 and 2 is not about a theology of work. It's about a theology of presence. It's about, I want to be with you. Before he got a job, he got, he got a job to be present, to walk and talk in the garden. That's what Genesis 1 and 2 is really all about. It's not about tending the ground and digging up weeds. It's about being with Jesus. That's the whole point of the story of Genesis 1 is I want you to be with me. Not and now, I'm gonna, now you're going to get all your security and significance from having a job. No, you're just going to be with me and enjoy being with me. Your first calling is not to work but to be with him. That's your first calling, to be with him. To enjoy walking together in the cool of the day, as Genesis puts it. He wants to be with you. You were created to be with him. He wants to spend time with you. And although it feels like a risk, it's never a risk taking the time to be present with him. Of course, what is risky is putting expectations on what that time will look like. And deciding how he will meet you and what he will or will not say. Okay, well that's risky. But then you've told him how he's going to interact with you. Well... Maybe he's going to do what's best for you. And maybe you don't know what's best for you. And maybe just sitting and being quiet together is what's best for you, even if you don't like that. He may not show up how you'd like him to show up. And you may not feel what you might want to feel, but he will show up and the seed of faith on the inside of you can rise up and thank him for his presence with you. But here's the thing. If you don't show up, he can never show up. If you show up, he will show up. You see, that's what we did this morning. When, when Paul talked and talked about peace, you were just with him. That's all we're talking about, just being with him. That's it. You know, we had a, either my Zoom wasn't working very well on Saturday morning at the prayer meeting, or nobody said a prayer. I don't know which one it was, but I enjoyed it all the same. <laughs> so maybe I missed all the prayers. I don't know. Did, did you hear anybody pray? No, okay, great. It my, my Zoom worked well then. So we had a prayer meeting. And we talked for a few minutes and we shared a few things. And then we just enjoyed being together and with Jesus. And nobody said a prayer. But I tell you, there were lots of prayer that went on. Because we just enjoyed being with him. In the presence of each other, somehow. But I want to encourage some of you to risk the disappointment of what might not happen for the certainty of what will happen. Risk the disappointment of what might not happen for the certainty of what will happen. You will have spent time with him, and there is no better use of time than to be with him. Zacchaeus was a very sharp man and couldn't see over the heads of the people. So he ran on ahead of everyone and climbed up a blossoming fig tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. So all he wants is a glimpse. So all he's after, just a glimpse. And I was thinking about this the other day. You know that, and I keep thinking about Shelley as I say it every time, but you know, just one touch from the king. What a lot of nonsense. I don't want a touch. I want an embrace. I'm not happy with a touch. Are you? That's all you're after, a touch, a glimpse? <sighs> not enough for me. I mean, if that's all you want, fine, but I want more than that. But this is what you've got to do to get more than a glimpse because Zacchaeus moves from a glimpse to face to face. He moves from a glimpse from face to face. So, just catch this, okay? Zacchaeus is eager to see Jesus, so he uses a tree to get a better view. That's what we've done most of our Christian lives. The tree is all the disciplines that you've been taught to see Jesus. 
The tree is reading your Bible. The tree is being the meeting. The tree is praying. The tree is fasting. The tree is silence. The tree is solitude. The tree is giving. The tree is all the things you've, you've been taught and rightly taught because they're all fantastic and all good and all useful because it gave you a glimpse. But once you've got a glimpse, then you've got to get down from the tree and be face to face with him. We've got to be careful. We don't make the mistake of climbing a tree to get a glimpse. Is the same as actually meeting him. It's different. So he's, when Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down. For I am appointed, I'm appointed to stay at your house today. You know Jesus is appointed to stay at your house every day. So he scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. Now, hear me carefully now on this bit. Listen carefully. What Jesus really wants is for you to come face to face with him. But in order for that to happen, you've got to get down from the tree. If you just want a glimpse of Jesus, then of course, read the word, proclaim, worship, fast, do all the other good stuff. And it is good stuff. But if you want the fullness of a relationship with Jesus, you actually have to keep doing those things and add something else in. You don't stop them because they're good, but you add something else in. At some point, you have to leave the tree behind, that thing that gave you a glimpse, and actually enjoy face-to-face time with him. But for some of you, that's really scary. Because it feels like I'm saying you don't need to do this anymore, but I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's something to go further. There's something to add on to it. There's something to keep going with it. Why would you read a book about somebody when you can be face to face with them? No, why would you? If I wanted to know somebody, if you wanted to know me, I could give you my autobiography, I could sit and have a coffee. Which would you rather do? Well, you'd go both. Okay, we'll do both then. But you wouldn't just want the autobiography, would you? Because the autobiography is wonderful, it's fantastic. But actually, once you've read the book, then you're meant to meet him. Then you're meant to be face to face with him. At some point, you have to leave the tree behind, whatever helps you get a glimpse of Jesus. And if you've never had a glimpse, then you've got to get up the tree. You understand me? It's a process. So if you've never had a glimpse of him, if you're not sure who Jesus is, then, hey, get out that book and read it, because it'll tell you all about the wonderful person Jesus is. But there is actually nothing, hear me, there is actually nothing you need right now more than face-to-face time with Jesus. There's nothing that you need more than that. Nothing. And of course, this is why, this is why on a Sunday evening we've been doing these times. And I'm I'm renaming these Sunday evenings. They're going to be called Sitting with Jesus. That's what they are now, Sitting with Jesus. And in these times, we come together, we get comfy chairs out and stuff. You might want to bring a hot water bottle as it gets towards winter and and a blanket or your dressing gown or something, but that's fine. And we just take an hour, one hour, out of the month, we take one hour to give you space to sit with Jesus. Now, of course, you can do it at home. But if your home's like my home, there's lots of things to do in that home. And they shout very loudly when I open my eyes. So I like to come down here because, well, I actually see things I need to do down here, but I just keep my eyes shut. But, but there's probably less things that you see that you want to do down here. 
than there is at home. And I'll just ask you a question. How often have you done it at home for an hour? So the reason we met that space is so you can come and enjoy it. And we have a, it, it's a mixture of uh, some songs, some silence, some what we call guided meditation, which is just somebody encouraging you to focus on Jesus. I want to tell you, that hour, I'd actually, some of you need to prioritize it more than the Sunday morning. Now, honestly, you need to prioritize it more than anything else because right now, that is what you need. In fact, well, you can read it in the weekly, but I've got it here. It could be the most important hour of the week. I, I should not put the could in. It just is the most important hour. Honestly. So there we go. That's, that were an advert, by the way. Uh, nearly finished. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained, look at this, of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. What this tells me is it's not about your past or other, other people's opinions of you and your past, but it's about your desire and willingness to be with him. Zacchaeus was more than likely hated by every Jew in town. He represented everything that was wrong about Roman occupation to the Jewish people. But he was eager to meet Jesus and willing to take the flack of the crowds for that privilege. Just imagine, as he, follow, as he leads Jesus to his house, and he hears all the complaints going around him. There he is with Jesus. And everybody around him is complaining and moaning. And he hears the hatred in their voice towards him. But he keeps following Jesus. Because Jesus isn't pointed to be in his house. This was the price Zacchaeus was prepared to pay to have face-to-face time with Jesus. I mean, just think, even up the tree. You know, now everybody's seen him. I mean, he could have been lynched when he got down from the tree. You don't know. I mean, it's a massive crowd. They could have started throwing stones at him and all sorts. Who knows? Just getting down the tree were a risk. And then walking through a crowd next to Jesus. But of course, it was the cost he was prepared to pay to have face-to-face time with Jesus. It cost him a lot just to go up the tree. It cost him more to get down from the tree. A glimpse costs. Face-to-face time costs even more. But it's worth it. Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. He stood in front of the Lord and said, oh, half of all I own I give to the poor, and if I've cheated, if I've cheated anyone, which was a bit of a joke, because he had, I promised to pay back four times as much. You notice that no transformation happened whilst he was just getting a glimpse. But as soon as he gets face-to-face, radical transformation takes place. Radical transformation takes place when he gets face-to-face. You see, it's only really in those moments when you interact with Jesus face-to-face that you are confronted with his goodness and love that can bring a turnaround of this size and magnitude. I mean, this is a huge turnaround. Zacchaeus could have stayed up his tree, happy to get a glimpse of Jesus, knowing he'd at least laid his eyes on him, but he was eager to see him. And that meant getting down from the tree and meeting him face-to-face. I want to encourage you that there really is nothing better than just being face-to-face with him. But don't put any expectations on what that means, what it looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. 
Just be with him. But I can assure you. I can assure you. Something happens on the inside of you when you live in that place more and more. It just does. Something happens. I can't even describe it. But I think it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced in my walk with Jesus. I love what Paul said this morning. He said, Jesus wasn't indifferent to the storm. It was just he lived in a different place. And I've realized that I'm increasingly indifferent to storms. And I wondered why. I thought maybe I didn't care as much these days. But then I realized that I'm just learning to live in a different place. And when you learn, and I, hey, I am just learning, man. I am just learning. But when you learn a different, a different place, something happens that's just stunningly beautiful. Amen. So I want to encourage you. What tree do you need to get down from to be face to face with him? Because he's calling you down from your tree. Because he's appointed to be with you. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just thank you for your deep desire to be with us and to be face to face. Oh, Father, we thank you. We want to thank you for everything we've learned, Lord. All the trees we've learned to climb, Lord, that have given us glimpses, that have given us sights, Lord. All the disciplines we've learned that have helped us see you, Father, from afar and from up close. But, Lord, we want to add on something else, Father. We thank you for all those disciplines. We, we love them. We appreciate them. We're not going to stop, Jesus. But at the same time, Lord... We see that face-to-face is where it's at, Lord. And Father, I'm asking as well, Lord, that as we, as we get down from our trees, as it were, and make time, thank you that you will meet us. You will meet us in ways that are unique to us and in ways that we need meeting. In the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.